Hi, folks. It's me, Kate, the co-host and editor of this show. You know me. We're old friends. Uh, I wanted to let you know that this week, Bex is sick. He's all right, um, but he's not feeling too good. And we talked about it and decided he should take the week off, rest up, and instead we would drop something special in the feed. Uh, it's our most recent bonus episode, which normally you can only access through our Patreon at the $12 level or higher. We thought it might tide you over until we're able to record again, and also that it might possibly entice you to support us over on Patreon if you're inclined to do that. We do a bonus episode like this every single month, and they're always full of personal anecdotes and just weird thoughts about our sex lives. They definitely get more intimate than we usually do on the main show because the paywall provides a little privacy that makes it a little easier for us to open up, um, which is fun. So if you want to get access to these on an ongoing basis, you can check us out at patreon.com slash the dildorks and sign up to support at the $12 level or higher, which helps us, you know, eat and pay our rent and have sexy adventures and make the show. Some of the topics you're going to hear us talk about in this bonus episode include my experience at Hiprov, the comedy show where audience volunteers do improv under hypnosis, uh, a couple of really hot and cute sadomasochistic scenes Bex did at Kink Camp, my first visit to a nude beach and our feelings on public nudity in general, and some new sex toys that we were excited about. I'm also going to pop back in mid-episode to talk to you briefly about our sponsor this week, Self Plus Jimmy Jane, and to tell you about a toy they sent us that I think would be especially great for some folks who have disabilities, chronic pain, or strength issues like me. Now, without further ado, let's hop into the bonus episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Patreon exclusive bonus episode. <laughs> Mouth hmm? sounds are hard today. <laughs> Welcome to the Patreon exclusive bonus episode for the Dildorks for the month of September 2022. Bex, how's it going? <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> uh, it's going good. It's been, I have been running pretty much since the last episode i think the last one caught me like i guess kind of in a lull between trips i feel like most of my summer has been traveling and i am like fall is starting and i am ready to i am like redecorating my house and i am ready to just be like home and cozy for a little while good good how are you doing i'm good i'm not home and cozy i am at my <laughs> spouse's house in and relatively cozy. Um, I was gonna say that's it's, it's home point five or home two point and cozy. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. We're going to Philadelphia this weekend because Matt is officiating their sister's wedding, and they have like a really hot custom made burgundy suit that they're gonna wear. And today we're Ooh, getting nice. mani pedis, and the whole look is gonna be great. I'm excited. Oh yeah, that's gonna be excellent. I'm excited to see pictures. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, do you want to hear a story or tell a story first? Hmm. Let's, I want to hear a story first, mostly because I know what I'm going to talk about and I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Okay. So last night I went to an off-Broadway show called Hip Ooh, Yes. Okay. So I saw your Twitter thread <laughs> and I was really hoping you were going to talk about this today. No, tell me everything. Yes. Okay. So this show is called Hip Rov, which is H-Y-P-R-O-V. 
hypnosis Mm -hmm. and improv, Mm -hmm. two of my key interests. Um, Right. No, they made this for you. Yes. When I first heard about it, I was like, this is a joke, right? Like somebody's (laughs) punking me. Um, But then I started reading all these interviews about it. And so one of the co-founders of the show is Colin Mockery, who's a legend Mm -hmm. in the improv world. He was on Whose Line Mm -hmm. Is It Anyway? And he's kind of like, a lot of people know him, even if they don't, you know, follow improv that closely. And Mm -hmm. he's partnered with a really skilled stage hypnotist for this show. And basically they bring up a bunch of audience members, put them into trance. And then the top five kind of like most suggestible audience members, they keep on stage. And then Mm. uh, the improviser like engages them in like improv scenarios. And the idea is that improv is so much about flow state and being in the moment and just responding authentically that hypnosis makes it easier for even an untrained person person to do that yeah which makes a lot of sense to me yeah that makes sense to me too so is it once they've like narrowed down this process um the folks who are up there like for the performance are they is it like someone who is hypnotized performing with an improviser or are all of the improvisers hypnotized audience members like responding to prompts or something, you know, like what, what am I seeing? Yeah. So the improviser, which in our case we did, we saw a stand in for Colin Mockery. We saw Jonathan Mangum, who is also like a okay. who's line improviser. Cause I don't know what's up with Colin. Hope he's okay. But, um, so the idea is like the hypnotist is still around. Like he's basically the, the wrangler of all these people who are in trance <laughs> upstage and uh, on stage and he's doing all the, the trancey stuff, but the improviser okay. is leading the scenarios. So he'll get suggestions from the audience and it'll be like, okay, we're at a funeral for like what kind of animal and what's this animal's special skill. Or it'll be like, okay. we're in a, we're in a Western film, but like, what's the big conflict here? Like, what is this gang on the run for doing or whatever? Okay. And so they set up this these scenarios, which are like pretty easy. Like it's not the same as if you were to just be thrown on stage and have to do normal improv. Like they do give you mm-hmm. a pretty structured scenario. Okay. Yeah. So. So it's uh, a group scene with like one person who is not in trance and is also a professional engaging all of these tranced audience members. Yes, exactly. I think you do need someone who knows how to improvise just to keep it all making sense. And, you know, if if somebody in trance says something that seems absurd, a skilled improviser can weave it into the narrative of the scene and make it make sense. Right. And I do feel like, frankly, the audience members are are self-selecting for folks who are at least knowledgeable slightly about improv. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this this feels like a thing that targets the community slightly more than right. folks outside of that. Yeah. Um, and then you said the hypnotist, sorry, I'm like trying to visualize this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said the hypnotist is still there. Mm-hmm. Are they just kind of maintaining trance the way an anesthesiologist might maintain a certain level of d- depth or are they like coaching the f- the folks in trance to improvise better he's maintaining depth when they're not in a scene and then when they okay. are going to be in a scene he brings specific people out of trance and if you've recently been in trance and been given suggestions, usually those suggestions will still stay with you even when you are back mm. in more of a waking state. Uh, okay. So he's kind of controlling all of that stuff. Okay. So I cool, was cool, like cool. debating with Matt before we went, like, should I volunteer? Because like, 
I have ethical concerns given that I've done erotic hypnosis. I right. was hoping I wasn't going to have any like sexual feelings or anything because that, that would be inappropriate. Um, right. But I also kind of felt like I think I need to. I don't think I'm ever going to go to this show again, probably. And this is very much my shit. And I just was really curious what would happen. Yeah. So at the very beginning of the show, they say anybody who wants to come up, come up. And mm-hmm. I would say it was probably about 20 of us on stage. I just ran up okay. there. And they did like a pretty basic induction, bringing us down into trance and then having us do some things that were like funny and entertaining, but still would give the hypnotist information about like who's really in trance and who's like having a harder time with it. So stuff like Mm. imagine you're cruising down the highway in a really cool sports car and it's like really warm and you need to like fan yourself with one hand to like, you know, he was having us like drive Mm. down the highway in the sports car. And then he he had us like think that our belly button had disappeared and start looking okay. around the stage for it, which is a pretty classic like stage hypnotist <laughs> bit. And it was weird because okay. like I was definitely in trance. I know what that feels like, obviously, and I have a pretty easier time, a pretty easy time getting there. But also like I was aware I still had my belly button. It wasn't like I right, yeah. So you know, I I think that I wasn't maybe able to go as deeply as I might go with my partner, just because like I was on a stage in front of all these people and stuff. But and, and frankly, like I wouldn't be surprised if the fact that you a came into it with like the ethical questions even in the back of your head of like right. if I go too deep, would this turn into an erotic experience, <laughs> which is a thing I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Um, so, like, I imagined that, I mean, it, that would impact my ability to reach subspace, which is my best parallel here. Yeah. And similar, like, and being on stage, given that you're not a, that much of an exhibitionist, particularly, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, is, was also probably not working in your favor. Mm-hmm. And, like, it sounds like one of your goals was, like, I'm really curious what this is going to look and, and, and be like. And yeah. that, to, like... Again, I imagine requires a level of presence that is hard if you're accessing the level of depth that you're used to with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I didn't end up having any sexual feelings about it at all. Like, it was just like Mm -hmm. relaxing and cool. And um, stage hypnotists get a lot of shit in the hypno community because they're not always the most like strictly ethical or... um, you know, concerned about their subject's experience. But this guy was really good. Uh, he clearly had a very I, high skill level. Can you talk more about that, like, in terms of, we've, we're talking a lot around ethics, around, like, s- sexual hypnosis, but I don't think that's what you mean here, necessarily, when you're talking about stage hypnotists. No, I think that the main point uh, about stage hypnotism is informed consent, because a lot of times when people go up there, they do not know what they're going to be doing because of course they're not going to tell you beforehand it's a show um but i think pretty much everything that they had everybody do i think was totally fine and above board like i have Mm. seen stage hypno shows or like especially online where people try to like have people have orgasms on stage and stuff like that and that's Mm. always like i don't know about that like people don't know what they're getting into so Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So I lasted through the first like one or two rounds of them eliminating people. And then I was one of the last people eliminated before they actually picked the final five, which I was actually Mm -hmm. fine with because I had been conflicted about like, I wanted to see the show. I also wanted to be in it, but you can't really do both. Right. So it was cool to kind of get to do both in a way. Um, Yeah. 
And the show itself was great, but like the one thing that really stuck with me from the hypnotized improv scenes, um, they had one guy who was like super, super deep in trance seemingly, like he was responding to the suggestions better than a lot of the other folks there. And they put Mm -hmm. him on the job of like doing sound effects for this Western scene. Okay. But the joke was that he had to do all the wrong sound effects. They could not be like the actual appropriate sound effects for what was going on. And, um, relevantly to this story this was a black guy and mm-hmm. uh and the improviser <laughs> was white i think and um the improviser's like walking around being his like western guy whatever and then when he points at the guy to make a sound effect for i don't know the saloon door or whatever the guy just goes mm-hmm. into the microphone like racist um and then the next time that there was a sound effect he was like sexist and then the next time he said homophobic and then the next time he said misogynist and at this point the hypnotist comes over and says you're only gonna make non-word sounds <laughs> but i was like the improviser didn't seem that thrown by it he seemed to think yeah. it was just sort of funny but i was like what uh it's like that's what association is there yeah i'm really curious like if it had anything to do with the fact that it was a western scene which is a traditionally yeah. i think a genre that's like not great about like <laughs> racial and gender right. like representation but i don't right, know exactly. it's really hard to say because there was no element of like racism or sexism etc in the actual scene so it right. was just kind of an interesting like people's brains do all kinds yeah, of cool interesting. stuff yeah i'm curious also you like you were mentioning about how this is someone well you were mentioning how the elimination process was allowing the hypnotist to kind of measure how in trance folks are and you mentioned mm-hmm. noticing that this person was particularly like responding particularly well mm-hmm. what did that look like like how do you think they were reading who was responding well because i imagine everyone wanted to look like they were in trance because right. they wanted to keep getting to play the game on the stage or you know that feels like most people's impulse yeah he said that he was looking at stuff like respiration rate and responsiveness to the suggestions and I asked Matt actually afterward as an experienced hypnotist like why do you think I got eliminated because I know I was in trance and I know I was responding to the suggestions and Mm -hmm. Matt said I think it was just that you were responding to them too slowly um, Mm. because they need someone on stage who's gonna seem almost awake even while they're in trance in some ways and I was in my deep sleepy trance space so all the suggestions I was taking longer than some of these other folks to to respond but the reason that I think that this guy was particularly in deep trance was that before this there was a scene where he had to sing a duet with the improviser Mm -hmm. uh, as if they were like an a pop duo coming back together (laughs) for a reunion and he sang his ass off and improvised really funny rhymes and just was so committed and so in role. And this guy had seemed fairly like reserved before all of the trance stuff started happening. Okay. Um, And also one of the five, one of the group of five kind of like came out of trance visibly at one point and they just sort of sent him down and said like, (laughs) sometimes that happens. So then there's only four for the left, for the rest of the show. (laughs) So did he like, they didn't make an attempt to bring him back into a trance because that would have slowed the show too much. I think they tried once and it wasn't really working. Okay. And so they just they just were nice about it and sent him down. So And did he like go, 
hey, y'all, I'm not feeling it no more? Or did someone look at him and be like, yo, you ain't a track. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what did the process of realizing that look like? The hypnotist spotted it, and I had actually <laughs> been noticing it too. I was like, something's up with that guy because he was just not responding as quickly and seemed confused and like he was playing along. Uh, mm. It was just very interesting to notice that I have learned a thing or two about hypnosis and can spot yeah. stuff like that. It was cool. Yeah, that's neat. Anyway, uh, I hear that you have camp stories for us, maybe? I do have camp stories. Um, okay. I don't know which one Which one do I want to start with. I'm going to start with the bullying one. Okay. Um, well, no, that's a lie. We're talking about performance. I'll talk about the one that was most like a performance. Okay. Um, because I... So I mentioned briefly, I'm not going to get a ton into this one, but I will uh, say that one of the things that we did during camp was um, we bruised the hell out of Ash's chest Mm -hmm. um, because basically we wanted to make their chest into something that they were excited to show off because camp is really hot and binding is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, So early on we were like, hey, you know what? We cover you with bruises. Maybe the bruises are stronger than the gender today. Um, and it turned out it, it, it did work out that way. Um, but Good. the game plan for doing that was just collecting, uh, all of the sadists I know and, mm-hmm. and pointing them at my partner, um, <laughs> which worked out again quite well. Um, we talked a lot about like how we thought we were going to, um, I don't know how I, th- like we ran through negotiation and stuff, but like we were kind of a mat, like imagining how much I would need to like bring leader. Cause I was going to be the point person for negotiating. I was the one who brought all these people together. I was the one who was not getting beaten, but knew the closest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and like talk and like Ash kept talking about how they were imagining almost like a lot, like a line of people each coming up and hitting them a few times and then, <laughs> you know, queuing to the end. And they're like, I know that's not what it's going to be, but like, <laughs> um, and we wound up um, uh, essentially when we when the scene actually happened, we had them on a wrestling mat on their back, and the sadists just kind of descended from all angles. Um, <laughs> and we're real good at kind of taking turns and moving around each other and hitting simultaneously or separately. And <laughs> when one person would hit, the rest of us would hold them down, and you know whatever. Teamwork. Um, that's cute. Exactly. We work. <laughs> kinksters work well together. Is yeah. the thing. Um, and afterwards, there's a cute little moment of all the tops being like, oh, hey, we haven't gotten a co-top. This was fun. Hi, yeah. Oh, no, I've hit you, but I haven't seen you hit people. That was cute. You know, like, <laughs> it was very fun. Um, but anyway, in the middle of that scene, someone mentioned they had a single ta- tail near them. And uh, Ash mentioned that they hadn't tried one before. So we, like all scooted back a little bit and <laughs> left them in the middle of the mat. And they like got a couple of lashes from the single tail and they're like, Hey, that's, I like that. We could do more of that on their <clears> chest, uh, on their back. Oh, okay. We had, uh, they, we got tired of hitting the chest for a minute. There were the whole, we hit, we're hitting them all over the place. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, cause it, it seemed like it would be really hard to aim effectively at someone's chest and not hit them in the face. I would be very worried about that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, especially without positioning. Like, it could absolutely be done, um, but this scene was a little too chaotic for that, mm-hmm. frankly. 
in the middle of that scene, though, like after all that happens, um, when Ash was talking about how they could like, they're like, oh, that's yeah, I quite like that. They um, that is <laughs> they mentioned they're like, that is exactly what you described to me. Yes, that is <laughs> what I signed up for. And that is what I would like. Thank you. I was like, look at me explaining things well. Um, and they signed up for more of it. And like the two people in that scene who knew how to use a single tail were like, absolutely, we could do more of that. <laughs> and this spacey boy sits up and is like, you should hit both of us. <laughs> you should hit both. You should, you should hit both of us. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Good plan. <laughs> Cause they can't both be hitting Ash at the same time is the thing. That's right. We, you run into the aiming problem again. So really mm-hmm. I'm just there to occupy each of them as they, cause we have two tops. Yeah. You know, we need to, but anyway, right. so, um, <laughs> you're performing a public service really. Exactly. Um, and so Ash and I have never co-bottomed before, and it's a thing we have wanted to do, and we're really mm-hmm. excited about getting a chance to do. Um, so uh, this was a really, like, this was a really fun scene. We spent a little while um, on either side of a pole, like, post thing, kind of bracing ourselves and tied to it, tied to each other around it, mm-hmm. um, which was fun, but it was kind of hard to see each other. Um, because we're like too spacey to be like leaning around poles. I was like, no, my eyes are closed. <laughs> um, but by the end, I was not a human who could stand anymore. Yeah, um, that seems tough. Yeah. So, um, cause they were hitting all along our back ass and thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were both on our knees on, uh, in the dirt for the end of it, which was actually quite nice cause I could see them a lot more. Um, and we like held hands through a lot of it, which was like very cute. Um, but when they, when they were next to me, um, I had a moment and I had had this impulse several times before, but my hands were tied, so I couldn't do it. Uh, But I had a moment where I saw their bruises and heard their pain sounds. I went, you know, what's really cool about like not being tied up anymore is the thing that I can do this (laughs) and leaned over and like pushed one of the more tender bits. (laughs) Um, so they screamed and went back at my bruises, but mine weren't quite as tender at that point in the weekend. So then we're just sitting there <laughs> poking at each other, yelping while being whipped by people behind us giggling. Wow. Um, which was quite fun. <laughs> uh, and then there was also a bit where we were making out while getting whipped, which was really hot and fun. This sounds uh, super romantic to me. People sometimes yeah. think kink can't be cute and emotional like this but like damn that is that is a bonding experience if i've ever heard one yeah we have at at least one photo it is the photographer still editing it but was like showing us off the back of the camera after the scene um but we have uh, at least one photo of us making out while like with the whips behind us with them like (laughs) throwing the whips and there is a solid chance it is getting framed on my wall. Like, it is so fucking cute. That's so adorable. Um, I love it. It's so good. But it was one of the scenes that, like, it was really important to me to invite a ph- the photographer. Um, yeah. The photographer. There are several photographers. <laughs> invite my favoriteest photographer, the one that's my friend, um, <laughs> and make sure that, like, they got pictures of us and um, because it's going to be a really cute scene. But also, like... It was a fun showy scene, so I had like my list of friends that I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna get whipped. You wanna come, come watch me get whipped with my boyfriend? It's gonna be really cute." Um, and I like collected a couple of people on the way, and um, 
I wound up, uh, some of the folks I invited got there, um, a little after the scene started, but like, I, so I had a moment where I was like nervous, but then they got there and I was like, oh good. Yeah. You're going to get to see it too. Um, and then by the end of the scene, I look up and we had attracted quite a crowd, um, (laughs) because it was not a quiet scene. We were very, and we're we're anxious. You're both hot. I mean, let's be real. Yes. But we had, we were not in a place where people could tell we were hot before they could hear us. (laughs) Okay. Um, we were like kind of secluded. We were behind a cabin. Mm. So what happened was people heard the giggles and shrieks and assorted pain sounds and went, Mm. Hmm. And went exploring. Your, your screaming brings all the kinksters to the yard. Yeah, but yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so we got like a nice round of applause at the end, which was very cute because we had a moment of like a bit at the end where I was like hearing people's reactions, which is always satisfying. Um, and then uh, we like sh- sat up and turned around and everyone saw our marks and like got all excited <laughs> and clapped, which was really cute. And then all because they were like smart kinksters who know what they were doing scattered so we could aftercare collectively, <laughs> um, which was, you know, quite sweet and thoughtful. Uh, but the thing I didn't realize until like well after that was how much the attendees were participants in that scene. Mm. Like I talked to some of the people I invited and when I said that they were like, oh, did you mean like you wanted us to like talk more and like more peanut gallery and I was like no I mean yeah that's always lovely like that's fine (laughs) um but more just the act of being present Mm -hmm. felt participatory in that one like Mm -hmm. it felt a little more vulnerable it felt like I don't know I guess part of that like romantic thing that you were talking about like it like like I don't know no this little scene with like my friends and lots of people I like and my boyfriend and like I invited lots of people I like to watch it and like some other people showed up too and like that's cool or whatever but like I, you, y'all joined my scene. I didn't realize that when I started, but you're part of my scene now. And I know you left for the aftercare, but apparently you are the aftercare. Can you please come back? Please, maybe. Um, yeah, I got that. Which, like, was an interesting feeling to, like, realize that part of the aftercare. I was like, because there were people that I definitely... Like, there were people that I invited and people that I definitely knew were there. But part of it, other people showed up when I was so spacey. I didn't, I was looking up and got up to, like, knees and thighs and was like, oh, those are people. And just head went back to the ground. Like, I, so I didn't know who some of these people were that saw the scene. And I was like, wait, but you have to, was I, I'm a good boy, right? I get a good boy from each and every one of you. Thank you very much. How am I supposed to hunt you down and collect my good boys later on? If I didn't even see who you were. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the tough things about aftercare. I find that like you don't necessarily know what you needed until after you like do or don't get it. And it's mm-hmm. sometimes really different from what you thought. Mm-hmm. Especially as a human who like I bake porn. Like I am a professionally an exhibitionist. I like an audience. Mm-hmm. I like it so much. I do it full time. Um, so like it felt weird for me to be like, wow, no, that was too much perception. I was very (laughs) perceived, very, very much perceived during that. Um, Oh no. Oh no. Uh, And like, yeah. And it's not, I mean, 
folks who are listening to this probably heard the episode where we talked a lot about connection and how that was a particular thing I was craving in kink during camp. Mm -hmm. So like in that particular moment, suddenly all of these things that are usually things I love and are extra was like, oh, wait, that it, 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 it changed the tone of the scene a little bit for some of y'all to be for it to be a little bit performative, which again, usually a thing I absolutely adore in kink. Um, but like, so I wound up talk like over the course of the rest of the weekend, I've, I talked to several, many of the people who watched and I got a lot of those good boys and I feel like, you know, it, 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 what it made me feel a lot better like afterwards or whatever. But there was a little while where I was like, why do I feel kind of icky? Like I feel not great. And that scene was fantastic. And I feel not great. Mm -hmm. And like identifying that bit that was missing and like yeah I don't know it was just it was interesting to like you know it, it like you said it's a thing that typically on paper even I a person who is fairly experienced in impact right um although I haven't co-bottomed before I mentioned that earlier and there was definitely factors of that that like I learned from and well whatever mm -hmm. um but like even that, if you had given me all of that on paper, I'd have been like, yes, perfect, fantastic. And afterwards, it still took me several hours to be like, why bad, though? It's bad. I don't yeah. mean. Yeah. Kink yeah. is hard. It's just a, a learning journey. It's fascinating, though. Yeah. This week's episode of The Dildorks is sponsored by Self Plus Jimmy Jane. That's the magazine Self in collaboration with the sex toy brand Jimmy Jane. They have put together this great collection of sexual wellness devices designed to help you prioritize your pleasure. And we've been talking about a different toy on every one of these segments. And the one that I'm talking about today is their vibrating finger massager which allows you to hold the handle between two fingers rather than needing to grip it with your hand. And if, like me, you've ever struggled with like pain in your hands or strength issues uh, due to disability or due to overusing them, I've been playing a lot of Breath of the Wild lately, so my hands are kind of fucked up. Um, this type of vibe is really great for that because truly there's very little effort involved in holding it. I have it between my fingers right now and I'm gesticulating and I, it's not even falling off, which is really cool. Uh, the motors of these, as we've been discussing, are pretty damn good for $40, which is the retail price. And I just think this would be a really great vibe if you struggle to hold vibes, but also even if you don't have any like disability or chronic pain issues, uh, this type of vibe is great for people who feel like vibrators just sort of like get in the way or are obtrusive because it really feels like when you're holding this vibe and using it, it really just feels like it's part of your hand. It's just like an extension of your fingers that also vibrates, which is nice sometimes. Um, it's a beautiful shade of blue and I genuinely really like this vibe and would bring it with me, um, on like trips and stuff, especially since it's fully waterproof. So you could take it in the bath. Love to jerk off in a hotel bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's mostly intended as a clitoral vibe, but I also think this would potentially be great for stimulating like the frenulum of a penis or like getting into like the taint area underneath the balls. I also think it would work pretty well during PIV because it's fairly low profile. It barely takes up more space than just putting your hand down there to rub your clit during PIV. So yeah, overall, I think this is probably my favorite one of the ones that we've tested for these ads. And uh, I will link it in the show notes if you want to check out this vibrating finger massager. I also wanted to remind you that you can get 25% off your order at jimmyjane.com with our promo code DILDORKS25. That's D-I-L-D-O-R-K-S-2-5. And just to do a little sex toy math for you, 25% off a $40 vibrator is $30. This vibe is frankly probably too good to be retailing for that little money. But yeah, if you want to check it out, links in the show notes, use our coupon code DILDORKS25, and always remember to prioritize your pleasure. Yeah. Do you have another story for us? Uh, yeah. Well, since we're talking about exhibitionism, mm. uh, I went to a nude beach for the first time last month. Have you ever been to a nude Ooh. beach? I haven't. Yeah, so... Weird. It seems like a thing I should have done. Yeah, I mean, if and when you ever find yourself in Toronto again, I know where the nude beach is now so I can take you. And it's like uh, historically a fairly queer nude beach, so it's good vibes. Um, I used to be invited a lot to go by a friend of mine. uh, Oh, you know him because we had a threesome together. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love how that escalated. You're like... A friend of my, oh, a friend of, oh, you fucked that friend. Oh, you fucked that friend next to me. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so he used to go there all the time, and he used to invite me frequently along with, like, you know, Mm -hmm. big groups of other people, and I just never managed to make it out because I always had anxiety about the process of getting there. It was not even about the nudity. Yeah, because, like, you have to take a ferry, and it's a whole thing. It's dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's on an island, so that's why. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Matt wanted to go when they were in town recently. And I was like, yeah, I, I could go with you for sure. Yeah. If someone is leading me the whole way, I can go. <laughs> right. And it was great. Like, honestly, it's not really much of a story because I'm not really freaked out by public nudity. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like, I've, I've been to the Oasis Aqua Lounge sex club here so many times. And usually when I'm there, I'm walking around uh, in a towel and then I just get fully naked when I go in the pool, which is where, usually mm-hmm. where I spend most of my time there. So I think because of that and also because of having done, like, public porn shoots and things like that like I'm I don't know public nudity is not really an anxiety trigger for me even though like I don't always feel amazing about my body I don't always feel super attractive or anything but it's just in that type of environment that's not the point and like everybody is naked or almost everybody and you just see such a broad range of body types and it really just kind of makes you go like I do not need to be worried about what I look like right now that's really not the point Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when you were talking about that, because like when you were talking about like, I don't always feel, you know, great about my body or like, you know, whatever. But like often nudity, at least like I've never been to a nude beach, but I, you know, I'm thinking of even nudity at camp, which like 
is an inherently way more sexual space. Right. There is still, like, I don't know. Nudity doesn't necessarily feel inherently sexual. Mm -hmm. And there is this neutrality of, like, I'm not saying I am, like, the fact that I am naked (laughs) is not me, like, implying that I am the hottest person in the world, that everyone here wants to see me in particular (laughs) naked, that I am gifting you with this visage. Like, (laughs) there are just some contexts where it's like, no, you're just naked because you're just, that's the default state here. Yeah. And if you have at least some degree of, neutrality even around your body whereas my body is just a body and i have it Mm -hmm. like i find moving through those spaces like it yeah it it's like sometimes at camp i feel the most dressed down when i'm totally naked Mm -hmm. and like it's when i put on like my jock or my super tiny shorts or like the little strap of leather or whatever that like turns my nudity into an outfit (laughs) that i am like no now i'm being sexy now i'm being cute but when my (laughs) dick is just in the wind i'm like no i this is the easiest way to get to the shower because i don't need to like carry my shorts and figure out somewhere to put them while i bathe you know it's just a lot yeah i remember reading sometimes about like nudists and nudist colonies as they're called when i was growing up and uh oftentimes those folks like when they were interviewed online or whatever would say like people think it's sexual but it's like when you get used to it it's really not that sexual and like we're not really Mm. thinking about it that much necessarily and I remember at that time feeling like I think that's kind of bullshit like I can't (laughs) imagine how that can possibly be true but it is Mm. like it really can be true and I think that it's just a matter of like getting used to it like I don't even I remember when I first started going to body pride workshops many years ago which are these workshops that my friend Kasia Sopaluski used to throw where like you all get naked in a circle together and talk about your body Mm -hmm. image feelings and your history of like how you were raised around sex and body image. And it's just a really like cathartic conversation. And I Mm -hmm. did, I think I went to like five of those over the course of like three to four years. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time that I went to one of those, I was really nervous about it. Like I was taking off my clothes so slowly because I was just freaked out about people seeing me especially because there were people in the group who I thought were attractive and I thought that Mm -hmm. they might like you know prejudge me based on my body or whatever and pretty quickly into that it just started to feel so comfortable and so natural and yeah it just I don't know doesn't really bother me to be naked in front of people it's just all about context because for me it's like consent and comfort is the main thing. So like if Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be naked in front of people at that moment, or if they didn't want me to be naked, then that's a different story. But if that's kind of the whole deal, then it's totally fine. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'm thinking about like, I also, I think I similarly had that experience when I heard stuff around like nudists talking about like not always being sexual or whatever, but like, and I mean, there is, I'm, a degree of like in the same way poly folks have to have to do the like it's not just about the sex thing like it's not only you know (laughs) yeah um except like some except for the times that it is you know um and like I don't know I'm thinking of all of the spaces I've been where nudity is just present for 
you know, any number of other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, I saw Sleep No More recently and there are very naked people in that. <laughs> and like, and like, yeah, it is not that it is 0% of the time sexual, mm-hmm. but it is more that it is not, it is not sexual at a more frequent rate than it would be if they were clothed. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah. Right? Like someone in a cute outfit or like with some cleavage or like something that makes their ass look great or like gray sweatpants or any number (laughs) of things that someone is wearing that I can objectify them in. (laughs) Like I'm going to objectify you at pretty much the same rate as if you were naked standing in front of me, which is, you know, varies based on who you are in our relationship and all that. Mm -hmm. But like- yeah, I think that's more the thing. I think that it's it's not that it cuz I don't know, my interactions are not inherently non-sexual, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but like that is a much harder line to communicate to people and that sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My thought process while you were saying that just started drifting to how I wish I could be more confident in my everyday life the way that I am when I'm naked in that type of environment. Mm. And then the, my brain went to, maybe I should just cut my hair short so that I look really gay and queer. I don't, I mean, it's not really related, yeah. but. Um, but the fact that <laughs> your brain made it related <laughs> is the thing is more what is, is, is more informative, I think. Well, right. I think what it is, is like my hair for a long time in my life has been, something that helped me feel less naked uh, Mm. and something that I would sort of hide behind sometimes. And I have been having more and more cravings to cut most of it off lately over the past few years. How long, how long are you in Philly? Ash will do it is the thing. We have everything in my house. (laughs) Oh shit. I mean, I probably shouldn't do that before I go be at a wedding. Right. But after a wedding, hmm. like fully, think about it, text me, you have a lot going on and places to be tonight. But like, yes, <laughs> I, yeah, Ash and I I'm pretty sure don't have fuck all going on this week. <laughs> I will talk to them. They will make time to make like cut your hair short and give you a queer haircut if you want it. All right. Um, that's yeah. exactly their shit. I'm yeah, I'm feeling like Cameron Esposito vibes. Yeah. Yeah. You can make that happen. I'll think about It'll it. Look great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, do you have another camp story for us? I do have another camp story. Um, Okay, Uh, so this was one of my, like, least showy scenes. This one, which, like, frankly is kind of a bummer. (sighs) See, I talked all about how the last scene, I was like, the exhibitionism is a thing I love and a thing I would have signed up for, Mm -hmm. but turned out to not be what I needed in that moment. And here I am talking about this scene and being like... Okay, but, like, it was really hot, and I kind of wish more people got to see it. Yeah. And, like, it was more public, but, you know. Right. We may have wound up where we wound up. So it's it was it's good that it was, like, this intimate scene that I had with my partner, um, and regardless, it was quite hot and quite fun. Um, and it was, we were just going to do a rough body impact scene, mm-hmm. um, which we do a lot of we do a lot of rough body in addition to other impact scenes where I've laid out a bunch of implements and my fists are one of those implements. Um, we do a decent amount of rough body in the form of like 
we're laying in bed and I tickle them and whoops, now I'm wrestling them and whoops, <laughs> now I'm hurting them just like a little bit, but also yeah. now we're making out, <laughs> right? Um, but we don't do a ton of like negotiating rough body scenes. Mm-hmm. And what we learned is we should like <laughs> way more frequently. Um, like I did like seven years of martial arts. This is very like in the center of my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, many of those years I was teaching these, like when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, so like there is a lot about just moving my body that like feels very braggy, but the, the, there are bits of this style of topping that comes fairly intuitive to me. You have physical uh, intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. I guess somewhat like, and, and I'm a small guy, but I'm decent at, knowing how to use my weight in a way that makes me feel somewhat larger, Mm -hmm. um, which makes me feel like a badass and is a fun, cool, toppy energy to embody. Yeah. Right. Um, And like feels particularly strong to be able to like spin some around and hold them there and Mm. place them there. Um, There was a bit like, especially because my boyfriend is not small, like they're taller than me and frankly, probably stronger than me, certainly more muscular than me. Like they go to the gym every day. They're quite strong. Every day. Um, every, yeah. Every imagine morning. the dedication. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Um, I think they're up to like a hundred pushups or something at this point. Like Jesus. I, I, I'd be dead on the floor. Uh, <laughs> um, no, their, their cardio is the most impressive, which is great because it means they can fuck me forever. It's, Magic. I don't understand. I would die. Anyway, I smoked too much weed for that. Anyway, back to the story I was actually talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, so this this human that is like very definitely stronger than me. And if we were to actually fight, I don't know where that would wind up. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're not gonna. But you know, <laughs> that knowledge is very different from this type of play with someone who is just gonna be bigger than me who can just like needs to sit on me and i'm just there now right right? and i've done that when i was doing like wrestling fetish videos and stuff people who are just like disproportionately like you're just gonna lose (laughs) um but i had a moment like in the middle of the scene where i had gotten them quite spacey and had had several moments of just moving their body around the around the mat based on how I grabbed them and slid them and whatever, Mm -hmm. which always made me feel like quite strong and big or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then I had one moment where I was like, I had them pinned in a particular way. And I knew like looking at them, I was like, Oh, you are gone. We've been playing for a minute. You are quite space. You're in another fucking planet. (laughs) So I told them to try as hard as they could to get me off of them. Like, all, as, as much force as you can. You'll, you're in charge for the rest of the scene if you get this. You, you can, the toys are over there. You can hit me for the rest of the scene. You're the <laughs> boss. Go. Try, like, all your force. Go ahead. Let's see what happens. And they simply couldn't. And it was, like, the coolest feeling. That's, like, that's really interesting. And it reminds me of a hypno thing, actually, because there's, mm. a, there's a trick in a hypno, especially for people who are eroticized resisting trance, which is a cool sensation, where mm-hmm. they'll say, like, try, try as hard as you can to resist it. Yeah. And, and the very fact of using that word try implies that it's hard to do and that you'll probably fail. Uh, If not immediately, then eventually. And so it does kind of get in there as a suggestion on a, you know, unconscious level 
And, that makes uh, sense, yeah. Yeah, and it seems like it worked similarly there. And we know like subspace has a lot of similarity to the suggestibility of trance. So that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like very conscious even in the moment that like, yes, I was using physical skills of like the way I had my, like I was, the where on their body I was straddling them, the way I had my legs like hooked around them so that it was harder for them to buck me off of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the places I was applying pressure, whatever. Um, those were certainly things that were helping. And the fact that like I had them pinned in a way that I, I know that they do not already have the knowledge of how to get out of that. Like mm-hmm. it's how to adjust the leverage to do that. Not going to tell the answer here because they listen. <laughs> <laughs> and I still like winning that game. Yeah. I'll figure it out one day. Um, <laughs> but uh, so like I knew I had a little bit of the physical points in my corner, but the majority of what I was banking on was all of the mental decisions I was making mm. to like fuck with them and like – fuck with them lovingly um, (laughs) and like put them in the place that I was reading that they were in. Um, And Mm. in talking to them after the scene, like they also talked about just how cool it was to like, no, I tried. No, I tried. No, I really tried. I I know. Yeah. (laughs) Like, again, I know if I, there, if I said, come upstairs real quick, lay on the floor right over there, I'm gonna sit on you and you, take me off of you. Like they, they would pick me up, stand up, walk across the room with me. Like they mm-hmm. is not hard. Like but they are a strong boy. The, the physical is mental and the mental is physical. Like yeah. it's really underrated, the connection between the two. Yeah. So it was really fun to have that like physicality. And then about halfway through the scene, like part of this, because I have this like taunting toppy energy, uh, and because I was doing a lot of this, like, sliding them around and moving them around and stuff, it, like, very quickly wound up in a, like, schoolyard bully-type roleplay mm. scenario, which obviously is exactly in our wheelhouse and is also <laughs> really, really fun. Yeah. Um, so that was really neat and is absolutely a thing we're going to be revisiting. We have, can't afford a wrestling mat, um, but we have a big, like, padded thing on the floor that is at least decent for um a little bit of sliding them around and doing things i'm not doing any takedowns on it but you know yeah um make do in my house for now uh Mm -hmm. because that was quite fun and like yeah it it was it i love the toppy energy of feeling good at a thing and i am not i you put me up against someone who knows what they're doing and I will fail <laughs> miserably and frankly love every second of it. Um, but what, like it, it is neat that I'm like, Oh no, there's still a little bit in there. I can, <laughs> I can do some shit. Yeah. Neat. That's great. <laughs> um, before we say goodbye, do you want to see the yeah. gun dildo? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Would you? Thank you. <laughs> MP was like getting up before I even said anything. Um, yeah, so the uh, hole punch evolver, which is the gun shaped dildo, which we talked about at length on an episode last month, I think, or earlier this month, mm. um, and which I've wanted for years. It is, whoa, it is here now. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I love it. It's so the color pretty. is perfect. Yes. Have you put it in like the holster thing in your bag yet? I have not. I don't have that bag with me currently, but I really need okay. to do that. Is that bag pink or blue? It's black. Oh, okay. Black will do. I, 
would have been really happy if it was your pink with that yeah. blue dildo in it. It just would have been. Yeah. Look at how yeah. floppy it is. Though. I saw. I noticed that when they handed it to you. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was going to be yeah. firmer. I also was not expecting that when I actually held it the way that you hold a gun, it would mm-hmm. it would give me a scary feeling as if I was holding a real gun. Like. I think just from weird but fascinating. Uh, yeah, the way that you, yeah. you know guns are in so many movies and TV shows, and the way that like even it just I was just fidgeting with it right now and faced it toward my face for a second, and immediately was like, nope, turn that away from me because <laughs> that's a risk. And the thing is, it's literally yeah. not; it's a silicone chunk. But right. I'm impressed by how much it actually feels like a real gun, even though it's floppy, like a like a half hard dick. Yeah. Um, that makes sense, though. And I do feel like that is a little bit of a thing that our brains have. Like, I I don't stare down the barrel of a Nerf gun comfortably. And, <laughs> right. like, the worst that that's going to do is make me look a little silly for a second. It's yeah. just, I think there is something innately in the, like, holding on to the, uh, like... I want to. I'm gonna call it a handle. My masculinity is going great. Hold on to the handle of a gun. It's just you know an inherently scary thing for our human bodies. It is, especially like since I'm a liberal who has never wanted to own a gun and kind of thinks it's strange that so many what? people own them. Also, look at this. It what? has, it has a little. We're liberal. We don't like guns, but you couldn't tell by this whole conversation. It has a little frenulum. Um, and it also has like a thing down here that sort of reminds me of like the vein at the bottom of the dick. Right. Just a lot of really cute, thoughtful details. I really love this object. It's very beautiful. I'm really excited to show you my real cock too when it gets here. Ooh, yes. It is. Yeah. I ordered it like two days ago, I think. I got, if you look at the set, I got Dirk. They had a really huge one that was like three and a quarter inches in diameter. But I think I want- I know, and I wanted it really bad, but I think I want one that I can use more regularly. Yeah. Um, so I got one, it's like eight inches by like two, okay. I think, or eight and a half by two. That's right, which in I figured, your real house, yeah. Yeah, exactly, um, and good strap-on size, because like a lot of the other ones were like six and a half or six and three quarters Mm -hmm. which like when I put that in a strap or put that on a fucking machine and then try and adjust it so it's like if it's on a fucking machine and I'm trying to get it off camera because it's vacuolock compatible or even on a suction cup Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to angle the camera like I those extra inches are going to make me really happy yeah that makes sense cool can't wait to see it yeah all right well that's it for this month uh, thank you as ever for your patronage, your support, for listening. I uh, hope you're having a great September and that your October is even better. And nice to talk to you, Bex. I never know how to end this fucking Yeah, <laughs> it's good talking to you too. Good to having half a conversation with the listeners, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs> We'll